And I really love the fact that ask, seek, knock. How do you spell ask? A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. It's all right there. What is it that God asks of us? Ask me. God says to us, ask me. I am the one who supplies. I am the one who guides. We are right now in Jesus, what we call the upper room discourse, is John chapters 13 through 17. We're in the middle of that. John chapters 1 through 12 is meant for unbelievers. It is the gospel over and over and over again. It is the evidence for Jesus over and over and over again of the frankly, thousands of signs or miracles that Jesus did, John only lays out the details of seven. But folks, that's enough. If evidence matters to you, that's enough. That's enough. Then beginning in chapter 13, Chapter 13 through chapter 17, we call it the Upper Room Discourse because it begins in the Upper Room, chapters 13 and 14. But at the close of chapter 14, he says, okay, let's get up and go. (laughs) And they start making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus will be enter into prayer and where he will be arrested and carry out the reality that needed to be carried out where he becomes that one of whom John the Baptist spoke, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But the simple point that Jesus will be making in this text is, I am with you, I am with you, I am the source of all life. Let me read this passage to you. John 15, verses 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain, may abide in you, and that your joy may be full. 
This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. I am the true vine. I've read this narrative now, let me just share a little bit of information. My wife and I learned several years ago when we lived in that uh, now almost forsaken place called Oregon. <laughs> we lived very near, we lived in the Willamette River Valley, which is one of the most agriculturally productive places on planet Earth. Unlike the Texas Hill Country, the, the depth of soil is about 16 feet. <laughs> You've got the, we had the Willamette River right there. And it was a mar magnificent place. And about a mile and a half down the road, there was a state of Oregon uh, venue there where they had all kinds of grapes, vines. They were cultivating. This is, and my wife and I went there and we looked at all this. We learned so much and we actually planted grapevines. And one of the things that we learned as we were studying about the planting of grapevines and growing of grapes and producing grapes is... Grapevines don't like producing grapes. They're not really interested in producing grapes. Grapevines are interested in producing lots and lots and lots of branches with leaves. Lots and lots and lots of leaves because the, the, the vine is interested in being healthy and big and productive. And uh, so I want leaves. I want to, I want to be able to handle all that. Carbon dioxide, and you know, man, I'll manufacture oxygen for you. You manufacture carbon dioxide for me, right? Okay, and so we want to be a big, healthy vine. And it's not—they're not interested in producing grapes. In order to get the vine to produce grapes, you've got to threaten the vine. And so you go through and you start cutting off a whole lot of the branches with the leaves and you are actually threatening the vine, <gasps> oh my, we may not survive this year at all. We may not survive this season at all. We better produce grapes, seeds with those uh, squishy things around them so that we can, so the species will survive. We will sacrifice ourselves producing seeds with this, which, which of course is what, you want the grapevines for is the seeds with the squishy things around them. You want the fruit. But you have to threaten the vine. You have to prune the vine in order to get the production. And of course, Jesus' disciples all know that. I mean, there are certain things, these guys, they were fishermen, they were agricultural back, they all knew this stuff. He didn't have to explain this. And so when he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser, 
He's the guy that goes through and trims the vine. He takes the extra foliage off so that the vine is threatened, so that the vine will produce the fruit the vine dresser wants. God wants us to produce fruit. And so what does he have to do? He has to go through and govern our life experience in such a way that we're like, uh, okay, I'm not living in that mansion on the hill that I had thought I was going to uh, be living in when I was an eighth grader, and I'm I'm not ride, driving that Rolls Royce. I'm not driving this. I'm. Uh, 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 I think I better focus on other things. I think I may be better focus on the kingdom to come instead of the present world, instead of the present kingdom that's passing away. I think maybe I'll I'll start doing what God says and focusing on kingdom glory because when his kingdom comes it is never going to pass away by the way that is a change in outlook that is itself from God every aspect of the process originates in God he gives us the understanding God's truth God's truth this is not native to us we have to be discipled by him. Now, he uses his servants in our lives, but ultimately it's, ultimately, it's him and us. It's him and us. And he directs us into that place where we are humbling ourselves before him to hear his wisdom, to hear his declarations of power, what does Jesus say, Matthew 28? All authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much does that leave for Satan? How much does that leave for all the persecutors? How much does that leave for all? Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Do I ever need to be unrighteously afraid of God's enemies? They can't lay a finger on me without divine permission. And in fact, he uses his enemies to advance his own cause. Well, just by way of example, Daniel in the lion's den. I hadn't intended to go this direction at all, but we will do this. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was so loved by the Persian excuse me, the, the Medo-Persian emperor, that all of the other bureaucrats were jealous. And the emperor was, in fact, planning to give a promotion to Daniel, and the other guys were so jealous, they came up to this Persian emperor and said, hey, <laughs> we just love you so much. We want you to pass a, a ruling. And in the Medo-Persian empire, once the emperor expressed... Uh, and a ruling, it couldn't be changed. We want you to express a ruling that for 30 days, nobody can cry out to any god or goddess or anybody else for any help except you. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll go along with that. <laughs> Daniel, his closest advisor, most trusted friend, throws the shutters of his window open and publicly praise to God. He'd been doing that for decades. 
every single day. And the guys who were his betrayers knew he wouldn't stop because he was a man of that kind of integrity. And so they would then turn to his best friend, the emperor, and said, aha, Daniel's not giving you the honor that he's supposed to, and he's, oh no. They tricked me. They used my ego to set up the betrayal of my closest advisor and friend. And so they then cast Because he had said this is what would happen, Daniel got cast into the lion's den. He got cast to the lions. And the Persian emperor was so wedded to Daniel as a friend that he stayed awake all night, weeping and in prayer. And the next morning, Daniel, 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 was your your God able to deliver you. Yes, my God was able to deliver me from the lions. And they pulled him out. They had fulfilled the, they had thrown him to the lions. The fact that the lions weren't interested in eating him was not Daniel's fault. <laughs> and then they threw all the betrayers in and they didn't even hit the floor. This is the God who is absolute master of all things. Absolute master. And so we come to Jesus' statement here in John 15, I am the true vine. You want to be a fruit bearer? Do you want to bear fruit to the kingdom glory? Then you must be vitally attached to me. You must be vitally attached to me. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. He is in charge of the process of fruit production. He's in charge of the process. God the Father isn't sitting on the throne twiddling his thumbs. No, he is vitally involved. God the Son is vitally involved in our life experience. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't say, okay, well, here are my commands, and pat us on that, and say, okay, I'll see you later when we have, this, when we have the judgment seat in, for kingdom glory. We'll talk about how you did. No, I am with you every step of the way. I am your provision. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser in me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. He prunes it off. Hey, folks, we have all encountered people who are proclaiming themselves to be Christians, and I'm not questioning their authenticity, but they choose to go their own way. Oh, I'm going my own. Well, God has said, okay, you're over here. I'll put you on the shelf. You want to be on the shelf? I'll put you on the shelf. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You ever been pruned? (laughs) Has God ever stepped in and done something that you would prefer that perhaps he had not done, but it actually made you more productive? It made you more humble? It made you more useful? Folks, that standard operating procedure, it's the way it is. The day is coming when you will be glad. You can be glad now. You have the right to become glad now because he has promised 
The day is coming when we will be stepping into the kingdom, and we, it's called in First and Second Corinthians, Paul talks about at the judgment seat of Christ. It is not a judgment for punishment, it is a judgment for reward. And he will pour out on us kingdom, extra kingdom glory. Jesse, do you have any problem uh, spoiling Cyrus? I can tell you don't. You have no problem spoiling. God is the same with us. He wants to spoil us, but he also has to adjust our temperament and adjust our nature. He's going to yank our fallen nature out of us and throw us away, throw it away before he spoils us. <laughs> but he's going to spoil us when we step into the kingdom. We're going to be blown away at the measure of kingdom glory he's going to walk us into. You are already clean, pruned, because of the word which I have spoken to you. They have been with him for three plus years, and he has spoken to them. He has changed their orientation enormously from being those fishermen, from being that tax collector, from being all the backgrounds they came from. They've been transformed as they've walked with Jesus, seen Jesus, and walked in the strength that he supplied to them. As he has already said, the Holy Spirit who has been with you will be in you. The Holy Spirit has been with them doing miraculous things. He's going to be residing within you. And that is a promise to every believer. When you come authentically come to faith in Christ, God the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you. He supplies the energy to us to do what God calls us to do. The energy isn't in us, but he supplies that energy. Abide in me. Make your home in me. And as I read through this passage, through how many times did Jesus say, abide, abide, abide? It's make your home in me. Make your home in me. Rest in me, dwell in me, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides, makes its home in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Who's Jesus? He is God the Son, become flesh, paid sin's penalty for us. We were brought into the kingdom when we abandon our trust in our own works in favor of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. He paid sin's penalty for us. We welcomed that work, and we were therefore moved from the place of being condemned before God to a glad welcome with God. The holy God embraces and welcomes those who have abandoned their trust in their own self-righteousness in favor of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And we receive that benefit. But that's not the only one. That's just the first one. He is also ever-present, both in heaven and with us here, to supply his power. He is our high priest. He's our defense attorney in heaven. 1 John 2, 1 and 2, my little children, John says, my little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. Don't sin. Is that good advice? Don't sin. My little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. And if anyone sins, we, John is including himself, have an advocate, a defense attorney, a high priest with the Father, even Jesus Christ, the righteous 
who is the propitiation. That's a fancy word for satisfaction for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. The Father was satisfied with the sacrifice of the Son. And so when we entrust ourselves to Christ, He grants to us forgiveness and His own holiness. We get Jesus' track record of obedience attached to our account. That's the fullness of what it means to be justified. That's just step one. I am present with you, both in heaven as your intercessor, and with you, all of heaven's resources are yours. All of heaven's resources. Now, there are many people here, I'm going to repeat a testimony that uh, about two, two and a half years ago we heard, uh, because it's so graphic, and I've shared this several times, and a couple other people were, who are here were present with us. A friend of ours named Seton Lee. Seton Lee is a Cambodian fellow. He was a, from a very wealthy Buddhist family. He came to faith in Christ while <laughs> Pol Pot was in charge of Cambodia and all this. It's a thing all this stuff. But about uh, three years ago or so, uh, well, about 20 years ago, uh, Seton was able to buy about 20 acres of land in Cambodia with the idea of building a, and the idea was to build a Bible college on that, and he's never gotten the funds together to be able to do it, but he owns the land. And about three years ago, he got uh, arrested based on trumped-up charges, and he said a fact of life in Cambodia is that all of the Cambodian politicians are in the pockets of wealthy Chinese businessmen. And so if a Chinese fellow wants what you have, this wealthy guy wants what you have, he doesn't come to you and offer you money for it. They concoct a crime against you. Oh, you got that land through some illegal means, and so you're either going to... And so they came to Seton because this Chinese fellow wanted his land. Okay, you're going to sign over that land. You're going to admit that you got it through uh, illegal means, and then you're done. We'll, we'll just take the land away from you. And you come to the police station, which is right here in front of the prison, and you're going to give us your thumbprint. And with that, you'll lose the land, but that's it. And so he went to the police station. He gave them his thumbprint, and they said, Okay, that's fine. Uh, now we lied to you. We're going to throw you in the prison. And as they're leading him to this cell block, they said, okay, there are about 135 mostly naked guys in this cell block. There are five guys there who are enforcers, and they're covered with tattoos. They're the enforcers, and they keep order, and uh, we're going to shove you in the door. And uh, their job, those enforcers, they're going to come up to you, and they're going to beat the snot out of you. And uh, while they're leading him to this cell block, God is packing into his head, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, I'm with you, I'm with you, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And they threw the door open, shoved him in, slammed the door behind him, and he's standing there looking at all these people, half the faces turned towards him. And the five tattoo guys all get up and start walking towards him, all of a sudden they stopped. And then all the faces turned towards him. And nobody's moving. Nobody's saying a word. He starts seeing tears falling down faces. Finally, Seton said, why are you staring at me? And one of the tattooed fellows said, 
Are you an angel? No, I am a human. Then why are you radiating light? Well, that is because my good God has sent his good angels to surround me, to protect me. And one of the tattooed fellows said, Oh, that's ridiculous. The angels never serve us. They're bad. They make us serve them. Well, you think that because you only have met the bad angels. Let me tell you about the good angels coming from the good God. And then he did that. And then he explained the gospel to them. And half the men in that room immediately stepped into the kingdom of God. (laughs) Was Jesus with him? And there was no evidence or idea that he was ever getting out of that prison. But after eight days, 50% more of the men in the cell block became Christians. Well, on the first moment, two of the five five tattooed guys, then a third tattooed guy, they finally yanked him out of that prison after eight days because he was turning the whole place upside down. And then they'd be, oh, please, 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 we'll give you back your land. Just give us time. Give us time to clean up the mess we put in the court records and we'll give you back your land. Satan, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. That is just as true for you and for me as for Satan. He was just in a particularly dangerous environment. I am with you. My Father is with you. I am with you. I am the true vine. He is the vine dresser. We are with you. All of heaven's resources are with you. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides dwells in me, the reality of all, who, of all that I am and of my provision. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You will be producing fruit for kingdom glory. It's just, you're not even a, just an act of kindness. An act of kindness for someone that God will remember, you will forget five minutes later. And God will remind you of it when you step before him to be brought into kingdom glory. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, dwells in me, the reality of who I am and I in him, because I am with you, I am your resource, bears much fruit. You don't hear, you don't walk through a vineyard or an orchard and hear the trees or the vines. No. Fruit bearing is a natural outcome of being who they are. If you're an authentic disciple of Jesus, you're going to be bearing fruit. <laughs> oh, look at what happened. Who to thunk? If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withers it. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. You don't want to experience God's discipline because you chose not to dwell in in Christ. Take advantage of his provision. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. We just prayed for some people, a fellow with cancer. Have we seen God 
cleansed people of cancer here in this? Yes, we have. Have we seen people, God cleanse people of the effects of COVID in this congregation? Yeah, guys sitting right there. <laughs> have we seen God do miraculous things? Yes, we have. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. If you are bearing fruit for the kingdom as a reality of your authentic relationship with him, you will bear fruit and your fruit will remain. Now, I had purposed to go through another uh, paragraph, but God's warning me. <laughs> the mind cannot absorb more than the sea can endure. And so we will conclude with our, a celebration of the Lord's Supper.